0: You and I share an interesting experience tonight. Um, I was ordained a priest about six months ago, so this is my first uh, Christmas Mass as a priest, and it's a great joy to get to celebrate it with you guys here in this church tonight. You know, uh, when I think about Christmas, I often think of my uh, grandparents. We would often go out to their place to uh, celebrate Christmas, We lived about 30 or 40 minutes away from them, and growing up that was a great privilege because we were out there a lot, but especially during the times of Christmas, we might spend the night out there or hang out at my grandparents' farm. They had a a farm outside of Bryan, Texas, and one of my favorite things growing up as a kid was about those visits, was that um, in the morning, my brothers and I would wake up really early. We didn't quite know that you weren't supposed to get up really early when you didn't have to get up really early yet. You know how that is. And we would go, um, we'd go jump on my grandparents, right? They're still pretty young, so it was okay at that point. And we'd ask them to tell us old-time stories about growing up in western Kansas, I don't know how it got started, but perhaps Grandpa or Grandma just told us a story one time, and it just became a tradition. Every time we were out there, we'd go jump on top of them and say, tell us a story. My brothers and I were fascinated to learn about like uh, what life was like back then. We were... Um, Interested in all sorts of things. I could tell you some really interesting stories about my grandpa, but those aren't homily material. But I think that what made it particularly riveting, brothers and sisters, was that it was the story, at least in part, of how my brothers and I came to be who we are in the world. Right? The same could be said for you if you never had the privilege to talk to your grandparents in that way, but those stories exist. Biologically and culturally, each of us is the result of an inestimably complex combination of our ancestors. Think about that fact. There's something natural in asking the question, and kids do this, right? They ask the question, where am I from? How did I get here? And perhaps most poignantly, why? The genealogy that we just heard tells us something about the one whose birth we celebrate in splendor tonight. First, as you may have noticed, the genealogy is long. Good job, Deacon Guadalupe. It takes a long time for us to read it, and that's okay, right? The one whom we celebrate today is long-awaited. He's the child of a promise made, in a sense, to all humanity from the very beginning when we fell, but specifically concretized in the promises that we heard about to Abraham and to David, who figure so prominently in the list of names. To Abraham was made the promise that through his descendants, all generations of the earth, all nations of the earth will find blessing. And to David was promised that when his days were completed, God would raise up offspring after him and establish his kingdom forever. The genealogy also includes a wide mixture of saints and sinners it includes people in between people who we don't know much about the one whom we celebrate today is not from a perfect family the genealogy includes Jews and Gentiles who were often at each other's throats it includes men and women in short it includes all of humanity all of humanity in a mystical sense brothers and sisters we too are part of the genealogy of Christ he came at a point in time but he came to be the new Adam to make us new St. Luke in his gospel traces that genealogy back of Christ back to Adam and in a sense makes that a little bit more explicit for us that Adam The first man was was a figure of the one who was to come, namely Jesus Christ, our Lord. Perhaps most importantly, the genealogy includes one strange and startling departure at the very end. Joseph is not called the father of Jesus, but the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ and this reveals something most profound about how he was born and who he really is. Joseph adopts Jesus by naming him, but he's not Joseph's child. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit. He is God from God, light from light, true God from true God, as we'll say in a few moments in the Creed. Brothers and sisters, the radical claim of Christianity, and we never. Tire of hearing this and remembering it is that the word who spoke creation into being became a baby who could not speak a word. God became incarnate, He takes on flesh and blood, He takes on a human mind and a human will, He assumes humanity to Himself, He became like us in all things but sin. He's born of a woman. And through his humanity, we get to meet divinity. When we look at the little baby in the manger, we see the face of God. The infant Jesus lying in the manger reveals God. When he smiles, God smiles. Think of that. When he cries, God cries. This is fundamental to who we are as Christians. And if we recognize it, it will change our lives. On this night of the nativity, the defenseless love of God, his humility, his kindness came into view. He exposes himself to us in the heart of this world. God comes to us in a way that we can receive him as a tiny infant. If, brothers and sisters, the genealogy answers the question of how Jesus was born and where Jesus is from, perhaps the more important question is why? Why did he come? We need to remember In light of this beautiful scene that he didn't have to come and even if he had come he didn't have to come as an infant and even if he had come as an infant he didn't have to be born in a cave and even if he had been born in a cave he didn't have to be laid in a manger he's God There was no need on his part. And where there is no need, only love can exist. Love wills the good of another as other. And what is our good, brothers and sisters? Our good is found in love, loving God above all things, and loving God. That's where our salvation consists. But you and I know we can't love God by ourselves. And so he's so moved that he reaches into our lives and he makes himself present. He comes to save you. He comes to save me. The entire plan of God is summed up in that one name. Jesus. God saves. He comes to free us from sin, to offer himself in sacrifice. He heals us from our sins in a way that befits our dignity, the dignity that he gave us in the beginning, which he calls us to even still he moves us to love him by coming as man as an unspeaking infant in a humble cave with a manger for his bed and in so doing he teaches us to love him when you love the Christ child brothers and sisters when your heart is moved as you look at the manger You love God. And that's the whole point. When we love Him in the manger, we learn to love God. Through things visible, we are caught up into loving things invisible. I leave you with the words of St. Bernard. Take courage, you who were lost. Jesus comes to save, to seek and save that which was lost. You who are sick, return to health. Christ comes to heal the contrite of heart with the unction of his mercy. Rejoice, all you who desire great things. The son of God comes down to you that he may make you co-heirs of his kingdom. I beseech you then, O Lord, heal me, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Glorify me, and I shall be glorious. Then indeed, my soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me praise his holy name. When he shall have been been merciful to my iniquities, have healed my infirmities, and have filled my desires, with good things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.